and welcome to the Onside Kick Family Hour. I'm Ryan. I'm your host, Ryan Van Bibber. I, had, I forgot my name there for a second, Stephen. With me, as always, <laughs> Stephen White. How are you today, Stephen? I'm doing great. How about you? You know, I'm not too bad. Not too bad. I uh, I probably stayed up a little later than I probably should have watching preseason football last night, which is always sort of like you're kind of like you you're just it's this is how much of an addiction it is. You can't help it. But then the next morning, like, why did I do that? Why did I watch the fourth quarter? <laughs> Look, <laughs> watching the fourth quarter of preseason games without a gun to your head is kind of funny. <laughs> But we all do it, like and you and like you say, you can't really explain why. Yeah. You wake up the next day like, what was I thinking? But you just can't help yourself. And then <laughs> there was a couple games last night that uh, almost went to overtime, and I'm still up there actually thinking to myself, hey, maybe overtime wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. <laughs> like, seriously, what? But I guess it's just so starved for football, especially after last weekend's debacle. Uh-huh. Yeah, we just take as much as we can get right now. We mainlining it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's funny too because like that first night of the preseason, and this is the first week, first slate of games, and like, like I was just looking like like at our chart beat thing, you know, that tracks like performance of our articles and stuff. And man, all that preseason stuff just lit up. And then like right about halftime, because all those games kind of started around the same time. Right about halftime. Yeah, you know, you get those starters <laughs> out and guys whose name you, you're not going to remember because they're not going to be around. Yep. Start playing. It's kind of like, yeah, maybe I could do something else. But I, <laughs> I was all in on some of those games all the way to the end. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got to be a diehard to to see to sit in there and hang in there and watch Nate Sudfeld throw the passes. <laughs> the third and fourth string, Christian ha- the Christian Hackenbergs of the world going out there. <laughs> man just yeah it was it was it was very entertaining you know you see guys maybe they'll march down there and, and tie up the game <laughs> you know interception uh no game's over so <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, no that was pretty i think though i think uh like two games ended on interception so basically you know they still had to kneel or whatever after that but like yeah. two different games with the an intercession to close them out, I think. So. That's about as preseason as it gets right there. It really is. It really is. So. <laughs> Any, anything from the preseason games jump out at you? Um, not, not really. You know, uh, uh, obviously uh, it's early, so you expect teams to make mistakes. <laughs> the yeah. Bucks came out there and fumbled to open the kick, kickoff, so – uh, it doesn't seem like a whole lot has changed with them just yet. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> and Aguayo um, missed that kick. Right. He was, you know, second round pick that you <laughs> traded up for, misses the first extra point of his career. Um, <laughs> you know, not just a chill off to a smashing start. <laughs> but, um, you know, special team stuff especially looks like uh, teams have a long way to go. Uh, you know, the Bucks fumble there over the kickoff, but I saw a bunch of good returns too, which yeah. means, you know, teams obviously can't really uh, practice full speed tackling drills on kickoff uh, in practice. So uh, a lot of teams probably need to work on some kind of drill for tackling because it just seemed, saw way too many big, big uh, returns yesterday uh, in the preseason games that I did watch. So, um, you know, special teams still a work in progress. Most of the offenses weren't necessarily 
all that crisp or lighten it up. Yeah. Um, and, and you got to see a bunch of backups play, uh, yeah. a bunch of backup quarterbacks. Jimmy Garoppolo, I thought, looked okay. Mark Sanchez went out there and looked amazing on the first drive. And then he kind of reverted back to the mean and threw an interception. Uh, yep. <laughs> so, you know, really in the preseason, um, you, you just want guys not to get hurt, um, which we did have one injury, uh, the rookie wide receiver. Malcolm for, Mitchell for the Patriots. Malcolm Mitchell, you know, dislocated his elbow. Yeah. It, it doesn't look like he's going to be out for more than like a month or so, but still you just hate those kind of injuries just make you cringe anyway. Yeah, because it's really gross to look at. Oh, man, it's just awful. You know, arm turned the wrong way at the elbow. It's just never going to be cool. Yeah, it's not. But that would generally pop right back, so uh, he should be fine. Some asshole tweeted out a picture of it last night, too. Yeah. (laughs) I can't help myself, man. I I just can't help myself. You know, I'm not going to look. I'm not going to look. Let me look. Oh, I just... I can't help but look sometimes, uh, and that's, that's coming like after a, a week, uh, week after like the gymnast uh, in the Olympics broke his leg with a compressed oh, yeah. uh, compound fracture. I, I just can't help. It. I gotta look. So, I, um, <laughs> but thankfully, I think that was like the only real major injury last yeah. night that, I, that I've heard about. So you know, it, that's that's a great thing. We're, obviously, there are more games to come, like tonight and I think tomorrow. Uh, but you just hope that you don't have those real bad injuries in the preseason, and 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 you know some some guys might be in new positions and stuff like that, or you know maybe a team lost lost a a, a, a big time player. And you're trying to see how they're going to mm-hmm. to react to that. I watched D'Angelo Hall play safety for the first time last <laughs> night. How was that? And he, and he, and he didn't look bad. So. You know, those kind of things you kind of pick up on. But other than that, it's preseason. It was. Um, I saw, uh, uh, I can't remember who it was, I tweeted out last night. It was like, please don't overreact to the preseason, whether it's good or bad. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> really? You already know how it's about to go down. Some teams think their teams suck. To the, I mean, some uh, fans think their teams suck today and they got no chance. And then some people woke up today thinking their team is going to win the championship. Based on one game, so yeah, I looked uh, at like because the Bears, like I mean, even for preseason standards, that bear the Bears oh, looked like uh, hot turds last night. And I looked in the at the comment section on our Bears blog, Windy City Gridiron, and dumpster fire really doesn't cover that. Really, kind of undersells what the comments were like over there. Like I feel like dumpster fire doesn't. It was more like garbage island nuclear attack, sort of. <laughs> dumpster fire level of comments right. of a comment section that night so yeah that was that's that's always the most enjoyable part of the preseason and i mean look it's not like they were playing a good team right i mean <laughs> what the broncos do last year you know yeah, exactly I mean, come on, man but but that's how it is if your team doesn't go out there and light it up uh you know here come the hot takes oh yeah and and if they do go out there and light it up which i, I I, I can't recall the team really lighting it up last night per se. Uh, I was, you know, the Eagles came out there and scored on two short fields right away because mm-hmm. uh, after that uh, kickoff fumble, uh, Jameis fumble. Yeah. Uh, after that, so they had two short fields and they, and they, you know, jumped out to a fourteen nothing lead. But then the Bucks kind of came back and their offense scored. And so, I, other than that, that um, 
Bears game, that, that was kind of a blowout. <laughs> but I, even they did some good things, right? Yeah. Like, it's totally terrible. It just, the results weren't great. Yeah. But they're playing a pretty good team. A team is going to be pretty good aside from the quarterback position, we think. And yeah. it just so happens that Mark Sanchez went out there and lit their ass up. So, uh, it, it's it's preseason, man. Nobody's game planning for each other. No, exactly. You kind of want to out there and be basic as you can be and still be successful. So, you, everybody just has to kind of temper their emotions. Yeah. Uh, just never know. Uh, uh, you know, I've seen teams go undefeated in the preseason and get their ass kicked in the regular season. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll never forget that. Year. It, the, the, the year the Rams went two and uh, two and fourteen, they won all four preseason games, and man, people were fucking excited <laughs> about it too. Right. So I know, I mean, yeah. that's the way it is, you know. Just, and it's funny because by week four of the preseason, nobody will even have watched the preseason games. Right, except for the third one because that's when you know. Yeah, that's a big one. Into, like the third quarter or whatever. But other than that, you know, yeah, get so excited. Oh, preseason's back, and then. But about halfway through the second week of, of preseason games, everybody's complaining. Oh man, why do we even have preseason? So yeah, uh, but we, you know, we'll see. Uh, yeah, I, I think Jimmy uh, Jimmy Garoppolo looked okay considering he didn't have you know again that and this is that preseason thing you know no Gronk, no Amendola, no Edelman. Right, he de- he definitely looked I mean, like all he, things considered. You know. He 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 didn't. <clears throat> Again, I don't think he set the world on fire, but he did. He did look pretty good. Martellus Bennett, yeah, looked good. Uh, he had some some opportunities with Grunk being out, and 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 uh, he made some nice catches and a couple uh, nice run after catches. I think mm-hmm. so. And their defense looked pretty decent as well. Uh, yeah. So so <clears throat> that's what I was saying. Like uh, that was kind of a. Backup bowl right there because uh, uh, I yeah. think the the Saints started their backup too maybe or maybe Bree started but didn't play much yeah uh, but you know those two teams kind of went went back and forth with each other they both looked had some good uh, plays and both had some bad plays quite frankly so I mean Garoppolo did have some plays that kind of you know you like ah, maybe not um, and then you know. Uh, he had some pretty good plays as well. And that, that's kind of what you saw around the league last night. I didn't get to see all of the games. Actually, they had red zone going last night, um, which I figured out about <clears throat> after about the first quarter of the yeah. game. So I started watching red zone. And it was kind of bouncing around. That was cool. Um, I do understand. I didn't see it for myself. But from all uh, appearances, uh, Cam Newton played really well. Uh, last night, but that, that's about the only report I got of you know just somebody looking just great yeah. the first week, and that's about what, about what you expect, you know. Yeah, you just exactly. don't really expect everybody to be hitting on on all cylinders right away. Uh, but uh, you know, you just never know. Uh, it was somebody who was playing last night. I'm trying to think. It was a rookie. Oh, it was Wentz uh, when he got in the game, uh, and of course. All of Philly, I'm sure, is ready for him to go out there and just be awesome right away. And he did some good things early on. But then it was like right at the point where I was like, oh, they can't keep this guy on the bench. Oh, he's going <laughs> to end up playing. He throws like a terrible interception. I'm like, yeah, see, that's why you don't start 
you know, overreacting to these preseason games, especially when it's not even over. Yeah. Uh, and I, I remember how Bortles kind of took the reins in preseason, right? He came out there looking like gangbusters. Mm-hmm. Most of us thought he would. But I think everybody's a little too quick to try to anoint Wentz the next Bortles. And then he came back to earth real fast. So well, it's uh, like the, it's like a confirmation bias. You know what I mean? It's like you tell yourself, yeah. Wentz, he's going to be our guy. He's going to be the guy or whoever. I mean, any, you know, whatever your draft pick is at that point. And you just he's going to be our guy. He's going to be our guy. And oh, he's fine. Did fine. Look great. Look great. And then they fucks up. Oh, he's fine. It'll be all right. You know what I mean? It's just like sort of that preseason. The preseason results. You could tell yourself anything based on preseason (laughs) results. It's like statistics. Pretty much, you you can twist it however you want to, and then tell whatever you want. (laughs) It's just you know you gotta kind of calm down. It's like you said, the confirmation bias I think is strong, especially now because the draft process is such an a fan interactive process now, mm-hmm. whereas it used to be removed. Now it's the combines on TV and now everybody's doing profiles. Like I'm doing them too. And, you know, everybody's got mock drafts and all this kind of stuff. And so people are getting invested in guys actually working out or some guys not playing well. Yeah. For instance, some, well, I think this guy sucks. You say that before the draft, well, that first preseason game, you kind of pull it for the guy not to do with it, right? <laughs> and then yeah. the other guy's like, this guy's going to be great. And maybe he didn't go you know, as high as you thought he would. And now you, you – come on, this guy got to show him now. You got to show him that I was right and everybody else was wrong. So it, it, that's an interesting thing too, especially on Twitter, because you can kind of tell the people who are rooting for success and some of the people that are rooting for failure because they are you just kind of like – guy might go out there and, and, and light it up. Yeah, but look at he, who he's going against. <laughs> he's not really going against anybody. And then the guy might do terrible. Somebody else is like, oh, no, but you got to look at his upside. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's always funny. <laughs> you, know, you just kind of can tell who's pulling for what uh, at this point. But it, it, that, to me, that makes it a little bit more fun because when you're invested like that, right or wrong, you're going to pay attention a little bit more closely. So yeah. I think – more people that's that's paying attention to football the better. Yeah, exactly. And like you say, I mean, the bottom line is it's just your th- it's the thirst, man. It's been a long time since we've had actual football, even preseason football, which is sort of when you say actual football, you got to kind of put an asterisk by it. But it's better than the <laughs> football we had last week. Yeah, which was no football. <laughs> We, we thought we might get a game Sunday night, but we did not get a game Sunday night because the comedy of errors that is uh, taking care of football fields kind of got in the way. Oh, my goodness. It, <laughs> the, the thing about, about it is um, I had saw a report about how bad the field was like two hours before the game was supposed to start. Yeah. And then I, I tweeted out something like, oh, my goodness, are we going to not have a game because of the field? But I was joking. Yeah. I was joking. And so I went off and did something else and went on Twitter for a while. I come back, and it's like 30 minutes before the game's supposed to start. And it's like, wait a minute. We're really not going to have a game? What the hell? <laughs> but I can tell you from experience, I played on that field. Now, it's a different field now. Yeah. And then it got the turf field uh, from, from the, the Saints. Dome. Yeah, the Superdome last year or whatever was uh, uh, donated to them. Which, uh, you know, a hand-me-down field <laughs> with a fucking Hall of Fame. The fucking Hall of Fame now where all the greatest players 
are being commemorated, you have a hand-me-down fucking feel. <laughs> but moving on, I played on the other surface, and I can tell you, it was like we might as well have been playing in the fucking parking lot. Like maybe the parking lot might have even been softer because you know when it get warm, gets warm, pavement yeah. sometimes it'll, it'll soften up a little bit. That was the worst fucking feel ever, and I, it, it, we all had questions about it, of course. And, and look, the the uh, the locker rooms were even worse. <laughs> like yeah. it was like high school locker rooms, and I guess maybe high schools do play on that field or something. But even then, even back then. It was it was a shame for teams to have to play on such a shitty surface. Yeah. And then last year, the the the, the, the uh, Steelers kicker goes out there and tears an ACL on on, on on a shitty field. Yep. At the Hall of Fame, I just can't tell you how ridiculous that is. Uh, to me, just why would you even do that? If you're gonna have a Hall of Fame game, you ought to have Hall of Fame facilities. I don't give yeah. a shit if you only play one game there a year. There shouldn't be any hand-me-downs, anything about that place. No. So um, I'm just ashamed for them that the field could even possibly be so bad that you couldn't play on it. Yeah. But I think it was obviously the right decision because, look, man, nobody wants to see guys get hurt on a bullshit field. Absolutely not. In a fucking preseason game. Man, for real. Like, seriously, in a fucking preseason game, you're going to send guys out there to, to maybe tear their knees up and shit? Absolutely not. Yeah, no. And and, and I think, I mean, it's not often Jim Irsay, I mean, has, has some insight on, you know, has a, the sage wisdom of Jim Irsay. But how does a $13 million a year league let this happen? <laughs> and it's like, well, I, you know, it's stunning and shocking, but at the same time, it's like somebody asked me the day after that. It's like, well, do you think they'll start canceling more games this season? I'm like, oh, hell no. They can get hell away no. with canceling a preseason game, you know, or, you know, if you cancel a regular season game, you've got to reschedule it because obviously, you know, you got to have that for the standings and everything like that. But I'm like, if they did this for every game, they would never play a game at Wembley or Levi's. Or Reliant in Houston or Soldier Field in Chicago. I mean, like, you know, these fields, so many fields in the NFL are trash. And, like, just think those are fields where they actually put a new turf in every year. Right, exactly. Uh, Those are fields that NFL teams directly have control over. And they still suck. So, I mean, really, when you step back from it, it, it's not that surprising. It's galling and, and, and it's shameful but if they can treat some of their own NFL stadiums this way and feels this way, of course they're going to not give a shit about a, a Hall of Fame uh, game field. And, and again, like last year, and, and this wasn't the first time, the Steelers, and the, I forget who they played, they, they both complained about their field last year yeah. before the kicker hurts his, tears his ACL. Yeah. Well, yeah, so and then D'Angelo Williams tweeted that thing right after, right that night after they canceled it. Right, and, and, and that's the thing. Is like players that have played on their surface. This was not even surprising at all. Even though it's a new surface and all that, people have been complaining about that field forever. Look, I ain't stepped on a fucking football field in fourteen years, and I'm telling you that surface sucked back then. Yeah, 
So this is not some kind of new revelation. But look at how long it took for them to actually at least appear to take it seriously. Yeah. So it's just, like I said, it's shameful, um, but it was the right call. And, and, and really and truthfully, <clears throat> the only thing that saved those players is it, 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 kind of one of those things where uh, they were they were lucky because think about this. The field was still fucked up without the paint, right? The paint yeah. just made it work. But if some somebody, if some idiot hadn't decided to try to heat the paint up <laughs> to make it dry faster, then those players would have still had to play on that shitty field. Yeah, and it's almost guaranteed somebody would have gotten hurt. Oh yeah. So again, like you know, thank God for idiots sometimes because had had somebody not decided, <laughs> hey, I know how I can make this uh, dry a lot faster. Give me that hair, hair dryer, <laughs> you know, and go out there trying to dry the damn field. Then one of those teams, or maybe both of them, would have ended up with the guy out for the season. So, yeah. uh, hopefully, if nothing else, this is a wake up call. Because hopefully. the one thing about the league is this they don't like being embarrassed. No. Right? Uh, because if you think about it, they played that Hall of Fame game last year, and the kicker gets hurt. But that wasn't like a huge story about it. No. Nobody made a huge deal about it. This, everybody has heard about it now. It's an international story. Oh, yeah. It's a scandal. And so, like I said, the one thing they hate is being embarrassed. Yeah. So hopefully that shame uh, will, will force them to kind of be a lot more proactive when it comes to not only this surface, but maybe even the surfaces – uh, 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 of their own fields because that's one thing about it. After this happened, all of a sudden you did start seeing those gifts of stuff that happened at other stadiums yeah. showing up. All of a sudden you see <laughs> that clip of, of, of Michael Orr uh, on skates on the grass against the Seahawks <clears throat> because the field was just so terrible. Yep. So, uh, you know, hopefully this leads to them stepping up their, their their game all across the league because it really makes no sense for a league that, like you said, makes $13 billion to have fields that are this terrible. Like, yeah. seriously, man, it's grass or it's field turf. And it, it's like, it, it ain't it's, that hard. It's the most basic, it's the most basic element of what they do. I mean, you think about how complex football is and the business of it and the, all the shit that goes in behind the scenes to make the NFL what it is, you know, it's like, this is, it's just like deflate gate. It's like, it's the most freaking basic element of your sport and your game, whether this was a national, you know, whether you're talking about it at the professional level or the junior high level, it's like, you got to have balls, you got to have fields, you got to have this stuff. And it's like, you don't, you don't, you don't know what the PSI, how the PSI works on footballs. You don't know how what a, a freaking field is supposed to look, a field conditions are supposed to look like. It's like you gotta. That's how. How does that happen? Just imagine if, if <laughs> NHL just... they showed up to play a game and, and like half of half of uh, the ice was melted or something. Yeah, <laughs> you exactly. know, just imagine. <clears throat> but and that's basically the situation here. Yeah. So uh, it, it's again, it's embarrassing as hell, and hopefully, it, it'll you know kind of get them to to. It's just a money thing. It's not that they it don't is. understand or know 
what to do is that they want to be cheap as they can possibly be yep. about a lot of these things, and, and and you get what you pay for. Yeah. So yeah. hopefully they'll just come out the pocket and stop being so damn cheap, and then we won't have to worry about this. Well, until the next thing like that happens, it's you know it's like the replacement refs. Well, let's slap some stripes on any idiot off the street. They can do it, <laughs> you know, and how that work out. The most. <laughs> Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy that this happened. And, you know, we'll see because, like, this is the year. I mean, it wasn't even two weeks ago that when they released the new thing about how teams can be, you know, the more accountability with the concussion rules for teams in that same memo talking about how they're going to the union and the league are going to work together on field to study field conditions and hold teams more accountable for that now, too. Yeah, they're, we'll they're more accountable thing. I, I want to see how they're going to do that. But. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> but hey, you know, if you talk to a free agent before the free agency period officially opens, you, you're going to lose a draft pick. So. Oh, yeah. They're going to slam you for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, you know, if you... uh, <laughs> Oh, it's just... It's insanity. Insanity. But... This is, it seems like that's one thing the NFL can consistently provide from week to week, season to season. Right. <laughs> so we'll see what happens later this year. Cause they got what? Three more games at Wembley this year. We'll see how the field looks there or the Super Bowl is in Houston and we'll see how the field looks in Houston in, in February this year. Did they change the field there? I thought they changed the field. I think they now. did finally. Cause that one, remember that one Sunday last year where, like it was literally coming apart at the seams. Right. I think they did change it. We'll see, you know, if it actually helped, but I think yeah. they did change it. Yeah. Uh, Maybe so we'll they donated see. it to some college or JUCO somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I just remembered that that high school team that plays at that stadium in Canton isn't even playing their games there this year. <laughs> Well, hell, if they were, they wouldn't be able to right now anyway. (laughs) Ah, doesn't get much better than that. Hey, Steven, so right before we started this podcast, we had, um, we were fortunate enough to have the breaking news happen before we recorded our podcast. Usually it's the other way around. So that probably means something else will happen this afternoon too. But um, yeah, Tyrod Taylor signed a six-year contract with the Bills. Yeah, have they released the uh, uh, like the numbers on that? Yet? I was just looking, and it's a little you know how contract reporting is when it comes to right. NFL deals. So like nobody quite has the details yet, but like I guess it could be it's a six you know it could be as long as six years, and it could be as much as ninety million dollars. But I think it's kind of one of those deals where they can sort of well, even Rap Sheet said that quote unquote flexibility after two years. So you know what that means. <laughs> it's basically yeah. a two-year deal. They can cut your ass. Yeah. Right. Uh, now, uh, Tim Graham, who I follow, uh, he was saying that that it, it was actually an all-in type deal. Like, it wasn't a bridge deal. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, the numbers actually would tell you that, right? If it is just something they can get out of in two years, and it's it's pretty much a bridge deal, no matter what the numbers look like yeah. superficially. But if if it's something that looks like you know they made a longer term commitment, then good for him. I think that he went out there and opened a lot of eyes last year. Uh, he didn't play perfect, but man, I, look, when it comes to deep balls, the touch he had last year was 
pretty damn amazing. Yeah. Like, he just dropped it in the bucket over and over and over again. And, uh, you know, on a team that kind of, uh, I don't know if they underachieved, but just didn't play up to up to their abilities week to week. Yeah. He was like the one bright, uh, bright spot to me. Yeah. Uh, that, that was the most consistent from week to week. So, uh, I think that they might have something with him. You know, yeah. they, they, they might they might very well have good reason to have paid him to be the quarterback of the future. And it, I saw reports before. Um, I wasn't sure how accurate they were. That, you know, they were talking in the twelve to fifteen million dollar range, and that's not bridge quarterback really money. I don't think. No, unless you're uh, <laughs> what's his name. Uh, with the uh, fifth, fifth Patrick, <laughs> but um, you know, all things considered, from where he came from, you know, being a backup quarterback and signing, and maybe not even being the, the starting quarterback last year, wasn't really. I don't know that he was signed to be the starter, but he just kind of took control in training camp last year. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 my hats off to him, man. More power to him. That's kind of like what you want to see somebody go out there and actually earn that money and, and earn that kind of a contract by persevering, by not, you know, just selling for being a backup quarterback yeah. and going out there when he finally got an opportunity going out there and lighting it up. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting too, because like, you know, for a Rex Ryan team, you're used to seeing like a really good defense and, like at best a middling offense, but the bills were like the complete opposite of that last season. And a lot of that had to do with the way Taylor played. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, the thing of it is, is that we knew he was athletic, right? We knew he could yeah. run and stuff like that. But even that part of his game to me was better than advertised. But the, the throwing Man, I, I had no idea that he had that kind of touch on the football. Yeah. And so he turned out to be a lot better than I actually believed. And I think that, that I wasn't alone in that assessment. I think he changed a lot of people's minds. Some people are, you know, <clears throat> they have an opinion of a player, <clears throat> and no matter what that player does, it doesn't tend to change. Yeah. So I'm sure there's still some doubters when it comes to Tyrod Taylor. But when you watch his film, man, he will make you a believer because that guy, he, he played some really good football last year. Like I said, on a team and in a season where the Bills weren't really, you know, setting the world on fire. Right. So, uh, you know, it remains to be seen if he can duplicate that, of course. But I, that didn't look like a flash-in-the-pan performance to me. No. It looked like a dude that's actually a, a legitimately good quarterback and, and may end up continue to get better yeah and and i really like you know and and i like the pairing with greg roman the offensive coordinator there because i mean that you go back and you look at what he did with the when the niners i mean harbaugh gets a lot of credit obviously too but you know when kaepernick was had those great seasons with the niners there i mean roman was his offensive coordinator and he does a really good job taking a player like that working with his strengths and, and building around that, you know? Yeah. And that's what you want from an offense coordinator. I say that all the time. Yeah. Especially when I'm talking about Hugh Jackson. We talked about Hugh Jackson a lot last, last week. Um, sure. There are offense coordinators that have a system and, and, you know, 
they're able to get uh, offenses to 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 put up points and and and, and, and yardage consistently just just using their system. But in general, those kind of guys eventually run up on a situation where either they don't have the personnel or they're going against defenses that have adjusted and then they aren't any good anymore. Mike Marks comes to mind, <laughs> right? He was a mastermind. Yeah. And you saw that firsthand. He was a mastermind with St. Louis. Yeah. But then somewhere along the way, he didn't really ever adjust. He still was trying to run the same offense without the same type of talent uh, at his disposal. And, and also uh, with, after defenses had, had kind of figured him out and he never adjusted. So you, you won't, whether it's offensive or defense coordinator, what you want is a guy who can kind of a, a, adjust what they like to do and, 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 and meld it with the personnel they have that can actually do those things well. Yeah. So Greg Roman is a perfect example of that because when you look at the situation last year, it's not like if you were watching the Bills, you saw a whole lot of the 49ers with Kaepernick. It's that you saw a coordinator identifying what a guy does well and really hammering that. Yeah. And then avoiding the stuff that maybe he didn't do quite as well. And also just allowing that quarterback to be himself. Yeah. Uh, I saw this all season. Um, there was, there was some talk about how Tyrod Taylor didn't throw across the middle a lot. And, and, and that's probably true. I haven't really actually, uh, watch the film close enough to tell you where most of his throws went. But what I say is this, he's not the tallest quarterback in the world. Yeah. And so it would actually make sense that, Hey, I'm sure Greg Roman would like to throw more stuff, you know, down the middle or what have you, but maybe his height, Tyrod Taylor's height precludes him from doing that. Well, yeah. And, and that's what you, you don't want to force something like that. If that's not something your quarterback does well, but what he does do well is push the ball down the field, and he did a whole lot of that last season. Yeah. And I expect he'll do even more of it this year. So I think that's a, a, a great reflection on Greg Roman. While you know some people will say, well, he's got to throw the ball better uh, over the middle or more <laughs> over the middle. No. Yeah. Maybe that's telling you that's not something that he does well, and he actually has an offense coordinator who's competent enough to say, you know what, while I would like to do more of that, it's not going to turn out well, so I'm not going to do it. Yeah. So uh, I think, you know, Greg Roman is the perfect place, uh, uh, the perfect guy for a guy like Tyrod Taylor to be under because he isn't a classic quarterback. He's not 6'5 and, you know, uh, just uh, uh, kind of stuck in, inside the pocket and, and making all the time and throws and stuff like that. He's a little bit more dynamic than that, and he has a, a few limitations that you're going to have to work around. So I think it was good for him that he landed a place like Buffalo with Greg Roman so that he could showcase showcase his talents to the fullest. Yeah. And I think that has the potential to be, I mean, you put that together and the changes they've had on defense in Buffalo. I mean, that has the potential to be a pretty exciting team this year. They do. Now, <laughs> you know, they've taken some hits. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, last week with the, the Reggie Ragland injury. He, he, uh, Shaq Lawson. And then the Shaq Lawson injury, he's supposedly not coming back until October, um, which, again, um, um, we discussed this before. 
the reason why that's such a big deal is because uh, last year, I, I feel like Rex Ryan tried to kind of marry his 3-4 with what they had been running before, which is primarily a 4-3, yeah. uh, to make everybody happy. And, and, and that's a, that was actually uh, an example of a coach not really knowing how to adjust his scheme to his personnel. In my opinion, yeah, because to me, he should have played way more four three principles instead of trying to force that three four stuff in there too. Yeah, but now you know this is supposed to be a draft that helped him to set up to play his kind of a three four, so he didn't have to worry about you know marrying guys, you know, trying to do two things at once. Uh, but now you you got one of your starting inside linebackers, and you have a guy who should have been your starting. Uh, outside linebacker, which is what you gotta have, you gotta have an outside linebacker that can rush if you really want that three, his style three four in particular to work. Mm-hmm. And now both of those guys are gonna be out uh, for varying uh, amounts of time. It looks like Ragnar is gonna be out for the year, I believe. Yeah. So uh, it, it's not quite back to square one because they they made some other additions as well, uh, which is gonna allow them to play his style three four, but. Uh, Obviously, those two guys were going to be integral, and, and not just not just for this year, but you know, if Raglan misses this whole misses this whole year, even if he comes back and the knee is fine next year, he's missed the whole year of reps. Yeah, where you know you need that. Shaq Lawson out to October, he needs those reps going against live competition in the NFL for one and for no other reason than the confidence factor. But also because, you know, that lines you up so that next year, you know what what to anticipate. You're ready. You've done it. And now you you know what you're looking at. You know what's coming. And so uh, it kind of pushed them off schedule a little bit because, to me, I thought that they would improve this year on defense with those additions. But I thought they would really, really come on strong next year after those guys had one year under their belt. Yeah. And now – you know, one guy's going to have half a season at best, and the other one's going to miss pretty much his whole rookie season. So um, it, it kind of sets back their franchise a little bit, uh, not just for this year, but even going forward. Yeah. So it, it's unfortunate, but it, it's a part of the game, man. Just, you know, unfortunately, injuries just kind of happen. Yeah, and that kind of stinks to, you know, your top two picks in the same month. Like that. I mean, I guess Lawson was sort of a pre, you know, it's sort of an, a lingering issue, but for Raglan, too, then to go down on top of that, that really sucks for the Bills or any team that has to deal with stuff like that. I mean, the Jag, you saw that not back to back like that, but like Fowler. I mean, Fowler's essentially a rookie again for the Jaguars this year after missing last season. Speaking of lost reps, can we stay enough how stupid? The Chargers are being with Joey Bosa right now. I feel like you it's know, hard to understate just how dumb that is. It's it, 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 it's stupid unless they don't have any money. And somebody actually yeah, that's a good um, point. Um, somebody actually brought that up, and I was surprised that it took so long for somebody to bring that up. But you know, we have this notion in our head that an NFL owner just has all this money. And sometimes, that, that, well, most of the time, it's probably likely true. But sometimes, even if they are rich, uh, 
you know, however much money it got, a lot of times that money isn't necessarily liquid. Yeah. And so at some point when you step back and ask yourself, look at all the first round draft picks that have, have ended up coming to camp late. Yeah. Like every year. Seems like every single year. And even then, a lot of these guys still end up having to take uh, um, deferrals on their money until the next year. Yeah. Which is what's really at the heart of this whole situation with Bosa. So maybe, just maybe, <laughs> the cash ain't exactly flowing like it should be uh, um, with their owner. That's really the only thing I could come up with. And, 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 and while you, you just, again, a lot of people don't want to believe that a rich guy can have money problems like that. I, what other reason would you have for telling a guy, yo, we're going to pay you this money, but we're not going to pay you right now? Yeah. Like there's literally like $7 million that they want to defer to next year. Yeah. For what? Why in the fuck can't you give me my money right now? Yeah. Because that's, that's, that's months and months of at least interest, if nothing else, that that money could be doing for, for Bosa. Yeah. At the same time, that's, that money is gaining interest or whatever from them. Yeah. So uh, at the very least, if you're going to defer my money, then give me the fucking interest on it too. Yeah. But I bet you they're not going to do that. No hell. So uh, uh, a lot, and you learn a lot about money. You know, when you, when you, when you really start learning about finance and stuff, there's a lot of power in getting your money right now. Yeah. You know, it's a lot more money than uh, uh, power than waiting. Yeah. And so, who controls that money right now? Controls what that money can do for them. Yeah. The charges are making money on Joe Bosa's Joe Bosa's money for months. If they get to defer that seven million dollars, mm-hmm. why? What the fuck is them the right to do that? Yeah, right. If you're not going to pay them the interest on it, especially, uh, so it, it, it doesn't make any sense. If you got the money, pay the guy's fucking money, yeah. and move along. But but what I've noticed is this: one, the Chargers are not a team that commands a whole lot of attention nationwide. No, so. There's a lot of people that don't actually know what the situation is or why Joey Bosa is holding out. Yeah. They think he's holding out because of uh, the offset language. Which, look, yeah, that's one of the sticking points. But basically, evidently, his agents have told the charges, look, it's one or the other. Either you don't put the offset language in, which means that you know if you put the offset language in, uh, he can't double dip. I think that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Where if he gets cut, he, he, he they don't have to continue to pay him if he goes to another team. Right, and that's uh, not an unusual thing for even with the new rookie salary scale, which is pretty set in stone. But that's still one of those things that there is occasionally, every year there's always one or two teams in the rookie that kind of go back and forth over the offset language. Right. And basically these are the only two issues that are still up for debate. You, you get slotted now. So you know how much you're going to make, but it comes down to when are you going to pay them and if there's going to be offset money. There's really the only two issues. Yeah. Some kind of way with only two issues at hand, the fucking charges found a way to fuck it up anyway. So um, if you if you can't do one, you got to do one or the other. 
Yeah. And they basically said, no, we're going to put in offset language and we're going to keep almost half of your fucking money until next March. Yeah. For Give me a fucking reason why yeah. anybody do that. If your job told you, yeah, you're supposed to make X amount of dollars this month, but we're going to wait and hold it for three months and we'll give it to you then. <laughs> I bet you the people that both of these to go to camp wouldn't be good with that. Uh-uh. All that he is, oh, he ain't did nothing yet. Look, you know what? You're right. But he did enough for the Chargers to think as the third pick in the draft that he would be the future of their franchise. Yeah. Did not make them pick Joey Bosa. They yeah. chose to do that. So he did enough for them to, to draft him there. And so now with that comes some responsibilities from both parties. He'll show up well, you stop being a dumbass. Yeah. And so I know that so many fans uh, are just predisposed to side with owners for some ridiculous reason. I still haven't quite figured it out. I guess it's some kind of weird version of Stockholm syndrome. But, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not versed in psychology that much, so I'm not, not going to uh, speculate. But uh, this is one of those situations, man, where if you just put the facts on the table, uh, and I watched Trotter do this, uh, the the, uh, the reporter for, I guess, I think he's still with Sports Illustrated. I'm not sure. Maybe he's with ESPN. He's ESPN now, he on, now yeah. yeah. He was on, he was on uh, ESPN talking about it. But he laid it out perfectly. You can go all the way back to LaDainian Tomlinson or even before that and walk through all of their first-round picks coming in late. Yeah. Because of negotiation. Who's the, the, the constant here? That's different players. That's different agents. The only constant is the fucking Chargers. Yeah. And so, again, maybe they are having cash flow problems. That's not Joey Bosa's problem. If that was your issue, you should have traded back in the draft. Yeah. But once you take somebody at number three, you're supposed to pay them number three money. Yeah. And not when you get around the field like it. Yeah. So, again, you know, it's simple as this. If you're out there saying, well, Joey Bosa needs to be in camp, I just ask you if somebody told you they would give you almost half of your money that you're owed when they feel like it next year, would you be okay with that? Yeah. I know my answer is hell no. (laughs) It's not even a, it's not even a choice to me, but if you are one of those fans who, Hey, he's, he ain't doing nothing. He need to be a kill. Get your big (laughs) Okay. Well, let me get half of your money till next year. And we'll see how happy you are with that. I just, uh, you know, some people built different, but I can't imagine many people would be okay with that. Well, and it sucks. You know, those what those people don't realize too is like that. It, it not it sucks for Boa. It sucks for the team, and it sucks for the fans too because the Chargers need Joey Bosa. The Chargers, so the Chargers went into this off season needing defensive help if they want to have any shot of competing, especially. When you start to factor in and think about like you know where Philip, what how old Philip Rivers is and you know how long maybe he's got left that he can play at that level, in the window that they may have to to win something with that. But now you take Joey Bosa off the field, he's not getting the reps in practice that he needs. He's obviously going to miss some training, or he's obviously going to miss preseason reps too. So his season's kind of sunk, even if he does find, even if they do finally agree to a deal here before the season starts in September. You know, he's just not getting off to a great start. I mean, he may he may end up having a fine season, but you know, it's just not a great way to start. And in an 
all likelihood, those missing reps are going to cost him some development time because everybody needs that. You saw that with, you see that with players all the time, usually with, because of injuries, but here you go. And now the chargers have set themselves back even further on this because of this, you take a player like that, take away his reps because you're being stupid over the contract and you just, you know, it's, it's a self-perpetuating cycle. And again, I just think that maybe they feel like since not many people are paying attention, they, that they can get away with it. And, and, and the, the most disappointing thing is they might be right. Like yeah. th- there's so many people that, that won't even take the time to look into what the issues are around Joey Bosa not being in camp and just automatically say that he should be in camp, that maybe public pressure will, will end up pushing him to go in there Without his money, I hope not. Uh, he's in a, a pretty good situation where he, you know, he comes from a pretty financially stable background yeah. from everything I've heard. So maybe he doesn't. Hopefully, he doesn't need to <clears throat> because he he shouldn't have to. He shouldn't have to make that choice in the first place. This is a hundred percent on the charges. Just stop being dumbass. Yeah. Or or sell something so you have enough money to pay this man. I know. Um, if, if I were Bosa, I might tap into that. You know, his great. Or his grandfather, or great grandfather, I can't remember, but was a capo in the uh, sh- the Chicago mafia. I might, heard might have to tap I into know that. His dad was like a, a, a <laughs> former professional player. Yeah, he was. He was. Oh yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> some mafia background there. <laughs> That's interesting. But I, look, the thing about Joey Bosa is, is uh, once again, you look deeper than just the headlines. And I think it's clear yeah. that it's, it's not on him because look, one, his, 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 he comes from a good background Two, this is not some kind of fly by night agent that he has. I forget who it's it Condon. is, but it, it's, it's a, Tom. Condon. Condon, that, that, I mean, that, that's as well established of a, an agent, especially uh, an agent with a good reputation as you're going to find. Yeah. And so uh, there's nothing from his side that would say he's being ridiculous or this is some kind of um, rash decision on his part. Everything says that, look, man, something isn't right here. And, 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 and when you're talking about, like, they're not even talking. Like, of course, we know there's only two issues at hand anyway, but you aren't even calling to try to work this out. And yeah. you're the team, and like you said, you know that you need this guy to 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 uh, get your defense going. So you have any shot this year. Most people aren't giving the Chargers uh, a chance in hell. Yeah, uh, and then they just lost uh, 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 Stevie Johnson to a, a torn meniscus. So that was one of you starting wide receivers out. Yep. And and, and and here's a guy that evidently they at least believe can be the face of the franchise. This is why you take a guy at number three yeah. in, in, the NF, in, the, in the draft, and, and you won't just give him his money. Like, there, there's no – what is the downside to giving a guy the money that you say you're going to pay him anyway? Yeah. Just giving it to him right now. So it, it, it's it, – it, but, again, I'm just not sure 
that that people are going to look any deeper than that. Yeah. I, I'm not sure because look, you talk about looking at the comment section from last <laughs> night for the uh, Bears blog. I, look, I follow our uh, Charges blog, and man, they. You know, they have been very upfront. They, they've done their research. They was actually yeah. one of the people who did some 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 original reporting about uh, what the issues at hand are. Yeah. And I've seen the comments and the replies to their tweets on Twitter. And if that's any indication, it certainly seems like the charges have uh, the public. Uh, the public is kind of taking their side. Yeah. So uh, I, maybe it, will, it won't stay that way. Maybe it will. But. It, 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 it's not just the reps. Look, Joey Bosa is one of the most polished defensive linemen to come out of college football in probably a decade. Yeah. Uh, between him and, and uh, what's it, Aaron Donald, uh, when you talk about technique, those guys have some like elite level technique to be college football players when they came out. Mm-hmm. So, um, but, but here's the thing. Joey Bosa is coming from a 4-3. Now he's going to be playing in 3-4. There's a whole lot of difference in what he's going to be asked to do. Yeah. And, and, and so uh, you know, I already think he's going to have an adjustment period because of the, just the, the higher level of athleticism he's going to be uh, facing in the pros versus what he faced uh, in, in college. You know, we always laugh about – Big Ten offensive tackles <laughs> not really making the league, right? Well, he just so happened to play in the Big Ten. So yeah. it's not taking anything away from him, but there is going to be an adjustment period there, and there is no amount of training, no matter where you go or who's doing the training, that prepares you for that, especially when you're talking about practicing in pads. He, he's not going out there and facing the offensive lineman every day and passing the helmet, nope. no matter where he's training. So... um does he need the work? Of course he does. But look, if it's me, I'm saying this. He needs his money a whole lot more. Pay the man, and I'm sure he'll come in and do whatever you ask him to do. But you got to pay him first. Yeah. Just like everybody, right? And I don't think anybody else got both of those in their contract where they got the offset language and had to defer that much money to the next year. So I don't see why he would need to. Eat. Well, yeah, and that's just it. It's like because there's no precedent for that. And like, why? The, I mean, like, why are the who are the Chargers to come in and say, well, we're going to change the precedent based on nothing, based on you know, it's not like this is a guy that got arrested or suspended in the off season or some shit like that, you know, or there's some sort of unusual circumstance where you would change the way things have been done because the things that are codified in the 2011 collective bargaining agreement because you think you have the right to do that for some reason for no reason it's just like you say that's really interesting that that theory that they may not have any money because for all the insider information you can consistently get about the nfl what's the one thing people never talk about and it's the owners and the money man the books you never get to see the books right that's right <laughs> so uh and that's something too you know there a couple of years ago they had talked about that with mark davis and being a concern with the raiders a concern with the league and a concern that hobbled them a little bit in free agency because they didn't necessarily have that big wad of cash to kind of stick back in escrow 
that you were supposed to have for like guaranteed, you know, player guarantees and stuff like that. Cause they didn't have, you know, the Davis's only income is that team. It's not like some of these other outfits where they own every freaking oil and gas mine in a tri-state region. And they don't, you know, the Davis's and NFL franchises are worth a billion dollars, but that's not liquid billion dollars. Like you said. Yeah. So. I, you know. We'll see and, what and happens. We'll never, we'll never find out. That's oh, hell about no. it. We'll never find out. Well, it's just like, and I think we even talked about this on the podcast a couple weeks ago. Look how fast that Tom Benson's family feud got settled and got settled when the judge said they had to open the book. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, a, and the thing about it is, it, it became a foregone conclusion, right? Yep. And as soon as the judge said, "No, nah, you're gonna have to open the books." The only question was just how fast they were going to sell out of court. And they settled so, pretty damn fast. Pretty damn fast. <laughs> and, and look, and, 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 and that was such a big thing because in, in, in the prior, uh, like, I don't know if it was a deposition or if it was actual testimony. Look, Tom Benson is pissed off at his kids, right? Yeah. Like, he is, man, he, he don't want nothing to do with them. And he even like said that maybe his daughter physically accosted his wife. Yeah. So you talking about somebody that is that pissed off? You know how mad he had to be signing those papers, those settlement papers. Yeah. <laughs> he probably damn near tore up the page, you know, <laughs> trying to sign with a pen without you know writing all the way through it. <laughs> but he had to do it because why? Can't show them books, can you? Mm-mm, no way. So no. Uh, yeah. Way. So we, like I said, we'll never know regardless, but nope. it, 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 it's the only thing to me that makes sense about this because, you know, they're saying that their president is, they always do this with their draft picks, yeah. which is stupid because I'm not sure when was the last time they had the number three pick in the draft anyway. Yeah. But it, it, you know, regardless, it's dumb. Just just give the guys money or put the offset language in. If you, if you really are having... Uh, 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 cash flow problems. Take the offset language out of the contract and just continue to defer the money till next year. It doesn't seem like this is a hard thing at all. Yeah, pick one and move on. I know, and especially with the offset language, it's like, listen, man, if you're if you cut, that's a four on the four year contract, number three overall pick. If this guy's off your roster by the fourth year of that contract, his career. You got bigger problems. Really, really and truly. I mean, <laughs> you're really screwed. And this is a defensive end too. I mean, this isn't like a quarterback. You know what I mean? It's, it's. I don't know. It's insanity. We'll see what happens. But I feel, I feel for Chargers fans because they've suffered through a lot of shit these last few years. Not just on the field, but off the field too, with all the relocation stuff. So. And it's still ongoing. Still just, happening. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a cluster out there for sure. Yeah, I'll tell you something, and I don't want to give too much of this away because this is going to be part of the season preview package, and it's going to be awesome. But you know, we this week we were uh, in Virginia with spent some time with Bruce Smith, the Hall of Fame pass rushing legend, um, and and one thing he was talking about, you know, we'd asked him. You know, what is when you put on your uniform and go out on the field, what motivates you? You know, what why do you do? Why did you do this for 20 years? Why did you play football? Why did you go out there on the field every week and do this? I mean, obviously, it's hard to do. It's not, you know, you could have done a million other things 
after a certain point in your career, especially. And he's like, you know, it, it matters. He goes, the thing that motivated me was, and I'm not even doing the quote justice, but you'll see it soon enough anyway. But he's like, the thing that mattered most to me, the thing that really drove me in my career was that I thought about those families in Buffalo. And Buffalo's a blue-collar town. A lot of NFL cities are blue-collar towns. But Buffalo is especially blue-collar. Those families save their money, and they spend you know hundreds of dollars to go out and see an NFL game and root for those teams that they care about. And it's entertainment. And you have a responsibility to go out there and entertain them by playing the best you can. And, and that was really refreshing to hear. I mean, I know a lot of players, you hear that, more from players, certainly more than you do from owners, but it was just a refreshing here. And I I was thinking about that in the context with the chargers, this whole shit show with the chargers lately. That's my, that's my, Uh, (laughs) no, it, 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 it's so real because, um, and, and I've said this before, um, I feel like there's mostly a new generation of owners now. You know, you had those guys who founded the teams way back in the day. And most of those guys uh, either stayed the owners for, for a long time or it, like, passed down into the, within their family. Yeah. But, that, but, but you know, when the league was first founded, it wasn't about making money. It, nobody was making that much money. And nobody had any idea what that was growing to what it's grown into. Um, it, it was about, you know, for a lot of these guys, they were – the owners were invested in – it being successful and, you know, just having everybody buy in to their teams in whatever city they were in. Yeah. And, and so they were invested in giving the fans a good show too, just like the player. Um, but somewhere along the line, it became more of a money making venture. Yeah. And look, there's a whole lot of money to be made. So there's not to say there's anything wrong with that. No, but it became, an investment, like it, that's what it became. These these newer owners, they're in it to 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 get these publicly financed stadiums and all these different tax breaks so that they can make a whole lot of money off these teams. Yeah, and so somewhere along the line, it seems like there was a shift for players. It's always going to end up being about going out and performing for the fans because it's not so much that. Every guy, you know, is so uh, uh, appreciative of fans or, or, you know, every guy goes out there and signs every autograph. We know that's not true, right? Yeah. There's some guys that don't really like fans like that off the field. But on the field, man, you need the fans a lot of times. Like, they, they give you so much energy. There's been times when I was playing uh, shit, even before we moved into Raymond James, we still was at the old sombrero. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we played their first playoff game against the Lions in 97. Man, I'm talking about it was a feeding frenzy because of the fans. The fans are so into the game, and it just gave you so much energy. You just wanted to go out there and just rip shit apart, right? And, 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 and we would play up to the crowd. And the dancing and all that stuff is for the crowd. Yeah. And so you go out there, and there's nobody there. Look, I... In high school, I played games where there wasn't nobody there, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so it, it's a little different, right? If you, if you go out there and you make a play and there ain't nothing but crickets, uh, unless you're at, at the opposing team's field 
which then actually gives you a little bit of uh, energy as well, making everybody shut up. But if you actually play and, and you're supposed to be at home and, and nobody's cheering, which is how it was our first year mm-hmm. here, my first year in 96 here uh, in the old Sombrero, man, that, that sucks. Yeah. Shit, my first game here, that first year, we played Green Bay here at home. Yeah. And there was more green and yellow in the stands than anything. And every time they made a play, the, the stands erupted. And it was so disheartening. Like it took so much out of you to be at home. And it was basically like playing in an away game. So for us, man, we, we get so much energy, positive or negative, from the fans. And, 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 and it would be hard to even replicate that if we didn't have them. If those fans were sitting on their hands and not cheering and stuff, man, it's hard, it's hard to get to that next level that you need to really perform well. Yeah. So for us, we, we are, it's a symbiotic relationship, right? The fans need us to make plays so they can get up and have something to cheer about. And a lot of times we need them so we can feed off that energy and really even turn it up even further. And of course, you know, practically, if you're at home and you're on defense, you need to, the, the fans to cheer so you can beat the offensive lineman off the ball. They can't hear the snap count. Yeah. Right. So it, there's practical applications to this too, but as a player, I think any player you ask that played in the league for any length of time will tell you that regardless of how they feel about fans off the field, because, you know, again, some people don't like that. Some people are more private. They don't like being approached and all that. Don't like doing the whole uh, uh, autograph thing necessarily. But on the field, man, it just, it's, it's even hard to describe uh, the energy you get from the crowd when they're really, really into it. Yeah. And so we're always going to have to have kind of that intimate relationship with our fans on the field. Well, that's why I take pride in what we do, Stephen, because we are the fan appreciation machine for sports. <laughs> <laughs> self Look at that. Un, unintended self-promotional remark there. I didn't even mean to do it, but I, I just couldn't resist. You laid it up. I, I put it in. I had to do it. <laughs> hey, so I, I, I was going to continue our division-by-division division previews, but we're pushing over an hour now, so I think it maybe we'll bust out a couple of those next week on the show. How's that sound? Sounds good to me. All right, because I think next week, this time next week, we'll be like, oh, hey, preseason, all right, you know? <laughs> <laughs> is the regular season here yet right <laughs> right um as usual great show and uh i guess we'll uh catch up again next week looking forward to it me too me too